the transition from the book of Genesis to the book of Exodus hinges on one word, the Hebrew word for knowledge, da'at. When we leave the Israelite family at the end of the book of Genesis, the descendants of Sarah and Abraham, Rebekah and Isaac, Leah, Rachel, and Jacob are blessed with great wealth. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, held the Israelites in high esteem, with Joseph his second in command. The Israelites lived peaceably in the land of Egypt. Fast forward, we begin the book of Exodus story, as we did last week, and are simply told, Vayakom melechadash al Mitzrayim asher lo yada et Yosef. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Of course, reading the story literally, there is no way the new pharaoh could have known Joseph. He died at 110 in the last verse of Genesis. So what does it mean that the new pharaoh, lo yada et Yosef, didn't know Joseph? As the story continues, we read that this new pharaoh feels threatened by the success and prosperity of the Israelites. Out of fear, he enslaves the entire Israelite family. The descendants of our patriarchs and matriarchs go from prosperity and peace to 400 years of oppression, forced labor, and slavery, all because the new pharaoh didn't know Joseph, all because the new ruler couldn't see the Israelites as human beings. In his eyes, they were nothing less than disposable objects. It's not until this pharaoh dies and before the next pharaoh with a hardened heart ascends that the Israelites take the first step on their long journey to freedom and a return to their home, the promised land. What is that step? The text tells us the Israelites were groaning under the bondage and vayizaku, and they cried out, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their cry. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the Israelites. God took notice. Vayeda Elohim, God knew the Israelites. Torah is teaching us a profound lesson. No matter how bad things can get, and the Jewish people know all too well how bad things can get, we are never without a voice and never without some human agency. This is the essential message from Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, as he writes, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude 
in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. In the case of the Israelites, they chose to no longer bear their burden silently, but to collectively cry out. Although theologically problematic, the biblical writer's vision of a faith life is not a one-way street, expecting God to see the unjust conditions of our lives and punish the bad guys, or prevent the injustices altogether. Judaism is built on real life. Although we envision a world where there will never be hunger, we build our society around providing for the hungry, the less fortunate, the orphan, the widow, the stranger in our midst. We don't live in a utopia. We live in the real world. Jewish faith pushes the envelope of human agency. Judaism has the chutzpah to believe that faith is a two-way street. Not only are we in search of God in our lives, God is in search for us as divine partners on earth. This is the moment, the collective cry of the Israelites, where Torah moves from an Israelite family saga to Am Yisrael, to the story of the Jewish people. Torah does not only go from the evolution of family to peoplehood, but God's evolution as well. And this is what God reveals to Moses in this week's Torah portion, Vayera, saying, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, but I, make, but I did not make myself known to them by the name yud Hey. God is telling Moses that it's time for a more intimate relationship. Instead of being like a nurturing parent to children as God was with our matriarchs and patriarchs, God is ready to know Moses face to face as one adult to another. God repeats that it's the cry of the Israelites that has opened, as it were, God's own heart. God heard, remembered, saw, and took notice. Together in a divine human partnership, the liberation story of the Israelites begins. This is a liberation story that lives on for all of us as Jews and continues to inspire enslaved people around the world today. And it's also a personal story that we can relate to in our own lives. As my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Michael Wasserman from the New Shul writes this week, God reveals to Moses a divine name as an aspect of God's identity that even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't know. The point is that new situations open up the possibility of new religious insights. Each generation has the potential and the need to know God in new ways. 
And I would add, as the book of Exodus teaches, God, however we imagine the divine spirits in the universe, is waiting for us to dig deep, to express ourselves in whatever way we can access, crying out, shedding tears, listening to one another intently, writing a poem, singing a song, shaping a piece of clay, extending a hand to another, a human expression that wakes us up and moves us to be engaged in the world. God wants to know us in this way. That is what knowledge is in Judaism. To know is to see the divine in everything and the divine to notice us. There is no human being that is an object. When we fail to take notice of another, to objectify another in any way, it is us who does not know Joseph. And this divine spark is extended to all of creation. The earth is not an entitlement for us to do with as we wish. The earth, as every human being, is sacred. Our weekday liturgy reminds us of the human ability to take notice. You, creator of the universe, grace human beings with knowledge. May we, this Shabbat, open up our hearts to notice the brokenness and the sweetness in the world, counting our blessings for the gift of knowledge, which opens our mouths to cry out, our eyes to see beauty, and our ears to hear lullabies, our hearts to feel love, bringing healing and taking notice of all the goodness that surrounds us.